0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 592 with our review of Emma. I'm Christopher Schnasey. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, As we've said in the last couple episodes, we have a bunch of things that are going to be coming down to the pipe. Stephen and I are doing some traveling, um, but... We're going to sprinkle these episodes out for you. We had a review of The Invisible Man, a review of Onward, this review of Emma, and then we will soon have a review of The Way Back, so look forward to that. Um, But yeah, we were here to talk about uh, Emma, which is the latest film that is an adaptation of a Jane Austen novel. Um, So my question for you, Stephen, to start this episode off is, what is your experience with Jane Austen novels and or adaptations Mm -hmm. therein?
1: I have fairly little, actually. Um, my mom, when I was growing up, would love to watch this BBC miniseries version of Pride and Prejudice, but from my memory, is like 12 hours long. Um, I, I feel like every year she would watch that again, so I would vaguely see it on. But of course, I wasn't interested in it at all at yeah, the time. Yeah. I couldn't even understand what was going on in it. I think the only direct Jane Austen adaptation I've seen is the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley and Matthew McFadden and all those people. Um, and even that I only watched maybe six months ago because Joanna told me to watch it with her. <laughs> it, it wasn't a thing I had really done before. Yeah. And then I watched the abysmal Austin Land, which nobody should watch. That is a terrible movie that I watched on a plane years ago about a, <laughs> a girl who is in love with Jane Austen who wins a prize to go to a place where you get to live Jane Austen's life, quote. And it's just, ter- it's a terrible rom-com. Do not recommend it. So... My answer is very little actually. I don't know much about Jane Austen. Somehow though her her style has permeated enough from people quoting it and from knowing how people feel about her that I think I get I get a hint of what she's about but I've never once like read a Jane Austen novel yeah. or or anything like that.
0: Uh, I personally have no connection to Jane Austen. Haven't seen any of the film adaptations. I haven't even seen Clueless. Which I haven't is, been to Austin, which is which is supposedly based off this film Emma mm. or this story Emma. You got to watch um, Clueless, man. Paul Rudd, amazing. <laughs> I did watch the second half of the live table read of Clueless at. Oh yeah, uh, so did I <laughs> at, at Clusterfest because we wanted to get good seats. So technically, I have at least experienced yeah, some of it. You're
1: basically a scholar in Emma now. <laughs>
0: Um, but yes, so uh, I I think it's safe to say that we saw this film on a whim. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I did I did think the trailer seemed whimsical and fun and sort of quirky yep. in a way that I thought like hey, I don't know much I don't know much about this Jane Austen person, but I could probably get down with this 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 silly sort of uh, you know I like things like The Favorite. Oh yeah, I, sure. I, I like I like uh, different stories that are period pieces that are whimsical and fun and whimsical (laughs) and fun yep um so i
1: was are are we just gonna tip our hand here (laughs) at the beginning of the episode or are we gonna go on with this like charade charade (laughs) where i say how i feel and you say how you feel and then we surprise
0: each other yeah so if we if we can pull back the curtain and show everybody how the sausage was made i scheduled my film directly following work Steven was going to potentially go to that same screening, but ended up having to switch to a later screening. When the film ended, I checked the time. Steven's screening had not yet started, and I texted him and said, I don't want to review this movie. You should not see it. <laughs> and he responded, I'm seeing it either way. He saw it, and then he said, we're definitely reviewing this movie. <laughs> and here you go. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're gearing up for a good old-fashioned, spoiler warning, disagreement.
1: <laughs> it doesn't happen often enough. I feel like it's got to happen every once in a while. <laughs>
0: Steven made me see this movie, or he made me review this movie. I was going to spare you. Yeah, I will do my best to speak intelligently about the things that I didn't like about this story. But if you do not like films in which I complain about stuff you might as well skip this episode. So I
1: think I've been trying to figure out what defines the movie you dislike that you don't want to review versus the movie you dislike that you want to review. And I think it has to do with, A, does it feel like you're punching up or down? Like, do do you feel like you get what they're going for and they need to be knocked off their high horse versus did you watch it and just feel oh this is not for me at all and i I think it's when it is the not for you then you don't like it because you know people around you enjoyed it and that makes it feel weird every single
0: person in my screening loved this movie Mm -hmm. they were laughing at things that i did not know were jokes because I haven't read a thousand books.
1: Does that include the person directly next to
0: you? <laughs> that includes the that includes the people on both sides oh, okay. of me. Yeah. Only one of them was part of my party. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah. So my girlfriend Jamie is an English teacher and has read a lot of Jane Austen and enjoyed the film. I have read no Jane Austen. Mm. Did not know what I was getting into, and did not at all enjoy this film.
1: Well, I think we know the solution is Chris has to become an English teacher. <laughs>
0: Apparently, <laughs> if only I could read
1: <laughs> <laughs> one step
0: at a time. But yeah, now now that we've we've revealed uh, this this little wizard behind the curtain here, <laughs> um, should we travel down the Yellow Brick Road and uh,
1: yeah, let's do keep this going with this metaphor. It's working great. <laughs>
0: All right. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Emma, which if I'm remembering correctly is mostly music and two lines of dialogue, Mm -hmm. then uh, we will come back and give you a review.
1: Dearly beloved friends, we gather here in this time of man's great innocence. Innocence? Innocence. Innocence. Mm-hmm. Miss Murtaus! Miss Murtaus! Such news!
0: <laughs> Alright, so that was the trailer for Emma. It is about a woman named Emma who comes from a well off family and isn't taking a mate but is trying to convince other people that they should take mates, but She's then meddling in the with affairs it. of yeah. others. She, she is trying to control the people around her and the relationships that they try to get into and all the while maybe not being the best of people and trying to finally discover what it is she wants versus what she wants to control in others. Mm. Nailed <laughs> <Emma. it. laughs> Stephen Miller. Why did you like Emma? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so, uh, again, I don't think I'm the target demographic of this movie. Having I've never read Emma. I've never read a word of Jane Austen. I have heard tell that Clueless is a remake of Emma. That means nothing to me. <laughs> that certainly did not resonate with me when I watched Clueless when I was in junior high or whenever I watched Clueless, finally, for the first time. Yeah. Um. But I think – so, okay, it, w- what I get from Emma is – at the time it was written, I think it was meant to be a a mockery of the bourgeois class, right? It was supposed to be a takedown, a comedy of manners, right? Of like, this is the hoity-toity society and this is the ridiculous way that they live. And here's this one character, Emma, who kind of, by virtue of meddling in everyone's affairs, is making the dominoes collapse, like is ruining the society. And how the fuck do you make a movie about that in 2020, when that society has been gone for 200 years and make yeah. it land at all, right? How do you skewer a thing that... You
0: cast Bill Nighy and you have him do weird shit while your other movie is happening. Sure. So
1: I, <laughs> I will I will like hand you fully that Bill Nighy is in his own movie. He's in the Bill Nighy movie. He's in the same movie he was in <laughs> he's in About in the, Time. He's in
0: the movie that was in the trailer that made me want to watch this movie. Right.
1: He, Bill, There's the Bill Nighy movie happening, and then there's everything else. But with everything else, I think the... The solution uh, that the filmmaker finds, uh, Autumn DeWilde, is to make the movie itself, just make the color palette, make the looks, make the hairstyles, make the outfits, make everything so outrageous and ridiculous that you just, you feel like you're in a kind of Seussical world that is like a heightened version of what 1800s England would have felt like, and for me that just worked a hundred percent i i cannot explain you mentioned there were moments in this movie where everyone is laughing and you don't know why like nothing is happening i i thought there was something just hilarious about the look and feel of this movie like the british faces in this movie (laughs) are so british (laughs) in the most glorious way there's like there's this mother that recurs who's the mother of one of Emma's childhood friends, and she just has, like, a look. There's something about, like, her nose, and, the like, just the way that she looks is so funny every time you see her. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, people are just playing up this caricature. I think nowhere is that more obvious than in Mia Goff's character, who's, like, Harriet, I think is her name, the the young mentor that she kind of takes, who is Mia Goth, right? So she's, like, eyebrowless and kind of small. And for the first 10 minutes of seeing her, she is just, like, wordless. Like, her eyes are wide. She is so excited and terror-stricken. She is clearly lifted way above her social class and is trying to relate to it. And I just thought it was charming as hell. (laughs) Like, like I, I just thought it was so... adorable and funny the way that all these characters behave i loved elton the the priest who is giving his speech he's one of the few people with many words in the trailer i think everything about him anytime he's on screen he's just so over the top and ridiculous i think his his future mate when she arrives her hair made me laugh every (laughs) single time it was shown on screen there's just a there's a whimsicalness to it that you mentioned the favorite. It's all—it's very Yorgos. It's very Wes Anderson, right? It's just like bright pastel color palettes, people acting like removed from the way they normally would have acted, but in a way that feels kind of endearing and not off-putting. And I, I just i thought it was so funny. And there was, a, there was a kernel of like delightfulness in it, in just the character of Emma and Anya Taylor-Joy and how she slowly is learning how to care a little more like she starts in the movie caring not at all and by the end of the movie she cares a little bit like and no. like that's the whole growth of her character is i go from <laughs> nothing the world only revolves around me to like i am incrementally more kind than i was before and it, it just worked on me i can't i can't fully justify it i can't defend all the choices it is certainly a whimsical light movie it is not trying to accomplish a whole lot but i think it it translates this whimsical light thing in a way that it looks as funny as it sounds. And it manages to combine all that in a way that I thought just worked beautifully in a way where I, I cannot imagine I would read the book and get as much out of it as I did from watching it be put on screen. So yeah, it it tickled me. (laughs) That's all I can say. (laughs) I I was giggling the whole time and I had a blast watching this movie.
0: Yeah. So your, your version of tickle for, for comparison, you were tickled I was like, I scratched the back of my neck because something brushed against it, mm-hmm. and I just felt it as an itch and not an actual tickle. Yeah, like that's sort of how I felt watching this film. There was definitely a part part way through where Jamie turned to me and she was like, "You hate this, don't you?" And I just went, <laughs> "Lips are sealed. This is fine. <laughs> we'll just keep watching it." Um, for me, as I said, my audience, it was it was like you know the first showing. That people who work could go to right. <laughs> it mm-hmm. was the first. It was it was like what would be the matinee, but it's after six or whatever, right? Right. Um, and my audience ate this movie up. Like there, there's. I think I gave. You, I don't remember if I texted you this example, but there's a line where a character goes, "I don't know whether I should take the light or the dark one. I mean, the light one will show stains, but the dark one's so pretty. Or no, the dark one won't show stains, but the light one's so pretty. And like everybody was like, ha." <laughs> But I like, remember that moment and it was so funny. <laughs> everybody was laughing and I was like was that a joke or is that so just when, the way So when you watched the movie, talks?
1: when you watched the movie, did you feel like every character was supposed to be like an exaggerated thing to be ridiculed?
0: So, those are two different statements. They are all exaggerated. I don't know how to what level I'm supposed to ridic- ridicule them because <clears throat> everyone is looked down upon by Emma. Emma thinks she's better than everyone else. So I'm not really, I am not exaggeratedly looking down upon the other characters because the character whose eyes I'm seeing the story with, who we're not supposed to side with, is being a jerk to everyone. So so there is no, there is goofiness amongst all the characters. And that like, I chuckled when um, when Emma finishes playing her little, little piano piece and then the other woman sits down and just like bangs out this freaking yep. amazing piece and then it's like yeah it's funny because you think you're all grand because yeah. you can that, play that like, was
1: very the favorite like a crazy dance happening right it yeah was some like heightened thingy like current. there
0: are moments in this film that work that sort of make me chuckle or a, a character's first appearance like the the one joke i laughed about involves a painting oh yeah and a character Saying what the painter brought out in the subject matter, <laughs> and that made me tr- like that. Was, I was like, "Oh, this! Like, now we're getting somewhere." Yeah. <laughs> but those moments are so few and far be- between. Like, if if I if I was not watching this movie with somebody, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Bill Nighy was not in the film, I definitely would have contemplated leaving. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. It just it it's it's and it's not even. This isn't like I can say this film is bad because X. It's just none of it worked for me, and I didn't enjoy watching it. Like So I, um, I would say famously, but we didn't actually do a review of it, but I was not a, as big a fan as everyone else was of Little Women. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoyed watching that film. I yeah. just – it's not – the spectacular work that everyone else says it is like. There's a lot of stuff in it that I do praise. We we hinted it. I, I we hinted it. We had a little bit of dialogue about it during our end of year recap because it was on your list. There are lots of things that I can praise about that film, and lots of things that I enjoyed, and I can have a constructive critic or a constructive conversation about that film because there is a lot there to work with. I think this film is extremely one note, mm-hmm. and that note was kind of dissonant to me yeah (laughs) so it wasn't a like how can one note be dissonant chris (laughs) thanks steven (laughs) there's one chord (laughs) but uh it was this film was two notes and they were quite dissonant (laughs) um but i but i think for me yes there is the wild color and the extravagant costumes and the mannerisms of certain characters are funny but a character looking bright and and silly saying lines like oh i really like houses should i look at this house but i really want a bigger house (laughs) and like that is not that is not a biting commentary on the rich Mm. that is this goofy woman saying she likes houses in a way that i don't understand and if i can put all my cards on the table if you go back and listen to every review we've ever done i generally don't refer to characters by name Mm When I am very familiar with the actress or actor, I will refer to them by their the the person playing the character's role. And in certain character in certain films, I will go by the names only when the names are said a lot in the film or characters refer to them a lot. I don't do well with names. Mm-hmm. For half of this film, you're getting names with no faces to connect them to, and then suddenly all these men show up who are. Mr. Whatever and Mr. Whatever, and Mr. Whatever and Mr. Whatever, and all you know about them is they have money and they have wealth, and mm-hmm. some people like them, and some people don't. I have no basis for who these people are other than mr so and so has a house, and then I want a house, so maybe I'll marry this person and yeah. it's
1: so so I think this is, and I'm no Austin expert, I've already established I've only seen Pride <laughs> and Prejudice, but I think you should watch Pride and Prejudice just to see <laughs> what you're comparing against, yeah, because I think. A, I think the the modern retelling of Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley, I think Kira is going to drive you through it. Like I, I think just the the charming nature of the cast yeah. is going to get you there. But you will see how many fucking characters there are yeah. that are just rich men who you learn by intuiting who they are supposed to be over yeah. time and that just becomes like a thing you take for granted and I think when you start with that as a baseline, yeah. this movie becomes a kind of hilarious hyperbole of that movie, yeah, right? Yeah. Like this becomes like a let me take that and then tune the dials up so it all gets more and more ridiculous yeah. and
0: and see, I, I'm willing to concede that it might be true that if I had even consumed a, consumed a single Jane Austen uh, piece of work um, beforehand some of that satire might work for me because mm-hmm. i love satirical things like yeah. we just talked about like uh the film onward and how it plays within the tropes of like fantasy roleplay universes and watching mm-hmm. these characters like it is aping some of the things that are involved in playing these games and stuff like that or um like other things that are making fun of or playing within a genre or playing within a trope of a certain type of thing, I enjoy those things because of the satire that is within them. Like some people really don't like the humor in films like Hot Fuzz, but not only do I like that humor, but on top of that, it's so perfectly playing in the genre of action film that like it, it becomes an even super amazing film to me because of everything that it's playing with. And if I would have had a knowledge of that stuff, then I could have watched this and been like, oh, that's clever mm-hmm. that this character is doing that because that's just like character whatever from this story. But I think without that knowledge, like the trailer didn't hook me, but the trailer piqued my interest because I giggled a few times yeah. when I saw the trailer. It, it looks and it, more
1: like a satire than it plays, I think. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And it's – it is – an 1800s comedy, not a comedy about the 1800s. Right.
1: This isn't million ways to die in the West. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So it, it's it's a it's a little bit of a difficult thing to me. Also, stuff that was written in the 1800s, I I I may be you know um, blanket sort of bucketing everything here, but I feel like they didn't have a concept of world building because it was the 1800s uh-huh. that was the world. They there was no There was no, I need to convince people who are reading this in 2020 to understand the time Right, you're thrust into it. Yeah, you're, you're just like, here we are, and this is the thing, and this is what you get it. And I think that that's not necessarily a fault of the film. It just leads to a film that I don't know how to take on its own terms. And while there are things that are funny... I don't ever care. I mean, I care about the the one eyebrowless girl, (laughs) right? Because she's the one that is taking the brunt of all... Like, she's the one being, like, yo-yoed back and forth with all these men who she thinks might fancy her and might provide her a good life. Meanwhile, Emma's just fucking it all up. And I I think that having a film with so many characters, all of whom I don't give a crap about and don't care where they end up, there's not a lot to kind of bring me to a point where i care about where they're going so
1: I'll, i'll give you that but there is one scene involving a dance in this movie with mia goth in particular and the man george who is clearly set up from the beginning to be the um the underdog romantic lead of the movie right And I think that scene plays out in like a really nice, genuine way that I was truly charmed by watching it. Like, I I think there are moments in this movie that pause and just do the charming thing and nothing else.
0: But so, so I, I also was charmed in that moment as well. You're talking about when he asked her to dance, right? Yeah. So that was charming to me. But also in the back of my head, I was like, your entire role thus far was, has been to be kind of a dick and put Emma in her place. Mm. Who is this guy that is asking this girl to dance? Is it part of your play to try to make Emma jealous? Or is this you yeah, being he, a genuinely good man?
1: I think he is a little bit of a dick, but he also he sees Emma as being immature. So you, you can get into whether there's something kind of patronizing about that yeah. role, right? But he sees Emma as someone immature, and he's trying to be like... He puts her in her place, but then when push comes to shove, he cares about other people and he cares about making them feel yeah. good, right? So he is seen as kind of the the character that Emma will grow into, like yeah. someone who's just a little bit ahead of her in maturity. Which I, I don't know. Written by a woman, so loud. When when I say that out loud, it does seem a little patronizing. Yeah. <laughs> I I did want to say though, because you talked about the the problem of books that are written in the 1800s about the 1800s and how, because that simply was the time, there was no world building needed, nothing to thrust you into it. I think that's kind of why I find what Greta did with Little Women so smart. Because she found a way to take this classic text that, like Emma, has endings that go exactly where the classic text would have them end, right? Like, whatever else you might say, they don't really color outside the lines that much. But she managed to bring a modern perspective to it and kind of bring the audience into this is what it means this is the expectation this is what i'm doing this is why i'm being a little bit like uh i'm challenging things even while i color in the lines and i think emma doesn't do that emma is much more like i'm going to show you with tone and style with with the particular look a person gives and the ridiculous 18th curl in the hair or whatever, I'm going to hint at why this is ridiculous, yeah. but I'm not going to bring you into it in the script the same way. So I think Emma's much more about style than it is about the substance, which Little Women managed to bring to the table. Yeah,
0: and I think another thing that the Little Women can do, and Little Women was written 50 years after Emma was written, <clears throat> but that the, the trajectories of the main characters are kind of similar but in little women she has three sisters who are foils for her in some mm-hmm. sense right it's about the dynamics between these three sisters who are both uh, pro each other and at times and, and antagonistic is <laughs> <laughs> that have three sisters as well
1: I don't know, I'm not counting right now, um, but I, I think I think so.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so it's it just like by nature of the story that's telling, plus it has like the the bouncing around between time and allowing each of the sisters to take hold and have a primary uh, thing told in those sto- that story, that that story is inherently more interesting than an abstract tale about women of this time and the roles for which they play. Chris, Be- there are five sisters in okay. and probably <laughs> Oh my God, that's even more than little women. <laughs> Twins and This original title was lots of women. yep. Um, but yeah so so basically I I, I think that it 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 honestly feels like watching an entire inside joke film mm-hmm. and I was not inside of the joke so that inherently put me on the outside of the joke, which left me sitting in my chair. Wondering when the film is going to end.
1: Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough.
0: So should we get to verdicts? <laughs>
1: we should. We successfully reviewed Emma.
0: All right, Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this a must-see, record with the caveat, wait for it until it passes the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it?
1: Now, despite everything I put you through, <laughs> I can't in good conscience give this a full must-see. I, I agree with you that it is one note. I loved the note. It did. I think it does it very, very well. But there is a limit to how long that note lasts, and I think it lasts, it outlasts welcome just a little bit in this movie. So I'm giving this a very positive recommend with a caveat. I think I loved what this movie did. I again, The word delightful was the only word I wrote down when I left this movie. <laughs> I just thought it was a delightful movie. It was charming. I had a big smile on my face. I loved the the visual world building that the director did not not the verbal world building they don't tell you anything but the way they just put you in this place and commit 100 percent to the visual aesthetic i i loved that but it is like i've heard the novel is a little bit flimsy when you try to dig in for more substantial things so i think this is a this is a light work that is not saying any big huge groundbreaking things and caveat being you might hate it. If you're not on board for the aesthetic in the first 10 minutes, get out because yeah. it is not going to get any better for you. But yeah. if you are into that aesthetic and if you have loved any kind of, you know, 19th century English type of piece before, I think you're going to get a kick out of this movie and yeah. you should check it out.
0: Yeah, for for me, I think this would this film feels a little bit like if you existed in a world that James Bond didn't exist in and then you watched... Austin Powers. <laughs> You're like, this is a very interesting brand of comedy. What What does that little man do? Um, um, uh, honestly, I probably still enjoy the Austin Powers movie a little. And I say that full well knowing that Austin Powers came out when I was in high school and I haven't watched it since. Mm. So take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, sadly, it is a must avoid. Um, but then again,
1: I'll, I'll say,
0: no, fuck okay, Must avoid.
1: <laughs> Go with your gut, Chris.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, pass with a caveat. Caveat being, if you've ever read anything from Jane Austen, you might actually enjoy it. Um, but I'm just going to say, must enjoy for me. I'll, wave, Not that, must enjoy, must I'll enjoy, wave that flag. Must avoid.
1: I do want to say, too, Anya Taylor Joy, I love Thoroughbreds. I loved her in this movie, too. I think she's just a good presence. I Oh, yeah, she, I didn't, she's, I, she, she is great in this film. Yeah, I, I didn't love The Witch, but I loved her in it, too. I think she's just a a very kind of singular actress, and she has a distinct look and feel, and she veers into that in a way that I think is great. So I feel like next few years, excited to see what happens with her.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I totally support all of that. I mean, all, all of the per- per- performances in this film... I mean, save for the one guy who does nothing but look strangely at uh the eyebrowless girl when they're walking on the path and he's working in the field and oh, then yeah. at the end gets a letter um, He's barely in the movie I know but he's a, like a he's essentially a main character yeah. for for the but where he people is end in up in hoity-toity.
1: he is in high class so he doesn't get to be a part of it
0: he's yeah i mean that's the thing is i don't i don't understand i mean he does he not own the field that he's working in i mean he's wearing nice clothes yeah i clothes. think he's medium
1: class actually yeah, i think he's not so she is the guy that Emma Watson marries in Little Women. Yeah, that, yeah is, okay. that is that level, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah,
0: you can keep the fabric. <laughs> All right, so that is going to do it for our review of Emma. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where is it that they may do that? People can go
1: to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com.
0: People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at spoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning facebook.com slash the warning or instagram.com slash the warning if you want to get a hold of us directly you can send an email to fans at the spoiler warning.com or you can use the contact form on our site music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to emma so hopefully you are enjoying that and uh yeah that is review three for this week we're going to take off and record a review of the way back and uh yeah we will see you later bye bye